You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. LLAP. Alan Seiler. Hi. And Veronica Daschle. Hi. And we're trying something <laughs> a little different tonight. Um, with all the, the new Star Trek episodes that Paramount Plus has been announcing that we're going to be for months, we're going to have new episodes and we kind of miss talking about the doing our legacy Star Trek discussion. So we're going to try to work those into the show. So tonight we'll have a, a discussion after our news and history on the, our favorite season finales in anticipation of next week's Lower Decks finale. And then uh, we'll we'll discuss this week's episode of Lower Decks and we'll make sure we have a spoiler alert there. So anyone who's not caught up will know when that's going to start. But first, the news. Okay, um, I've only got two big stories. Um, the first one is basically a follow-up from something that we reported last week. Um, we talked about the, at that time, unconfirmed stories that were circulating that Shatner was going to be a passenger aboard the upcoming Blue Origin launch. Mm -hmm. And that news has now been confirmed. Uh, he will be aboard. Uh, the ship is called the New, uh, sorry, New Shepherd. And it's going to be launching on October 12th, and it launches from Van Horn, Texas. So at 90 years old, Shatner will set the record for the oldest human being ever to fly in space, uh, beating the previous record, which was set by Wally Funk very, very recently at yeah. age 87. Um, so we there you go. Shatner in space. Wow. Where he belongs. <laughs> And then the big news of the week is a new documentary series that's going to be coming from History Channel uh, this fall. And of course, you know, this fall, we're almost mid-October, so it can't be too <laughs> far away because, you know, there's not that much left to fall. Uh, it's called The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek, and it's going to uh, air on the History Channel. It's produced by the Nacelle Company and directed by Brian Volkweis. And they are the ones who are behind uh, some really great documentary series uh, behind the attraction, the movies that made us, and the toys that made us, mm. all of which have been exceptionally good. Awesome. Yes. yes. Do we know if it's streaming anywhere? Mm, not that I've seen. Okay. Uh, other than I'm sure that the history, wherever the History Channel is hosted, which is mm. somewhere. Sure. Uh, we'll be having it. Um, so Gates McFadden is one of the executive producers hmm. and the series is going to feature input from numerous on screen and behind the scenes personnel. So far, they've not said anything specific about air date or number of episodes, but um, Volk Weiss is going to be doing an appearance at New York Comic Con. So I am certain that we will have more information at that time. Wow. And the trailer for this thing just came out and mm. it looks really good. It's got uh, representation from all series, from all levels of production. And and it kind of looks like there's going to be some off the cuff, you know, like maybe stories we haven't heard before or at least perspectives on things that we haven't heard before. So I think it's going to be really exciting. And for me, this is the exact kind of thing that should have happened five years ago. Like nothing happened for Trek's 50th anniversary. And so at least we're getting this now. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. David Gerald is on it. So it won't be a puff piece. At least there'll be some real opinions. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> it's nice to hear you say that Gates and Fatten is one of the executive mm -hmm. producers on that. I know that I always wonder what her life would have been like if she had been given an opportunity to do directing the way Johnson Frakes was mm. TNG, because she had mentioned that. I think actually she was the only one of the TNG staff who actually had directorial experience on the show. 
but there, there were issues there. But uh, I know she's got, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I know she's been doing a podcast recently and she's been showing up a lot. And so it's great to see her coming forward. It's great to see people like Nana Visitor coming forward. A lot of these uh, yeah. people. So I always would wonder um, if um, she could have gotten in like um, like um, LeVar Burton and Jonathan Frakes and some of the others who became you know, directors who cut their teeth directing on Star Trek. So it's, it's that alone makes me kind of excited to see it. And uh, back on the Captain Kirk thing, Anderson Cooper, the host from CNN, has a he has a I think it's, it's an online show and I believe it's called Full Circle. And he did a good 10 or 15 minute nonstop interview with William Shatner just this week that I saw on CNN last night. I'm going to find a link and see if I can post it in our group because it's a great one-on-one interview with him and William Shatner. Shatner talks about the fact that he's he's really nervous about going up. He's, he said very many times, he said, I'm really nervous about this, although I'm looking forward to it. And Shatner himself said that he made the joke that everybody was going to make. He said, I really want to look out the window and press my nose, and I hope there's not a monster looking in at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So he made the joke before anybody else could make it. It's a really good interview worth seeking out, but I want to oh. find out. I'm excited to see that. There was a really great meme that circulated over the past couple of days showing uh, Kirk kissing an alien woman from the original series with the caption, I really hope Shatner's expectations of space are a little <laughs> more realistic. <laughs> nice. That's the news for this week. All right. And Keith, did you have some this week in the track for us this week? Yeah, just got a couple, not a, not a super, super busy week. So I just want to call out a couple of birthdays of note and a couple of anniversaries of note. Um, one thing that I thought was, um, there's a couple of episodes that for me are very significant in the Star Trek universe, and hopefully for others as well. And from two different series, there were three, in my opinion, key episodes that premiered this week. And on October 6th, 1966, the original series episode, The Enemy Within premiered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was, as everybody knows, the first, I guess that was the first transporter accident. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that's the one that split Kirk into a good Kirk, evil Kirk. Uh, it's a masterclass in both acting and overacting from William Shatner. Because <laughs> he, he does some great stuff. And for those who've never seen it, you got to watch it just to see the opening scene. Anybody who's familiar with theater, William Shatner shows up, evil Kirk shows up on the transporter pad with his back to the camera. And then he turns around dramatically and there's a blue light that underlights his face. It's awesome great episode oh, also yeah, yeah this one of the best right yeah oh yeah <laughs> best um also uh, a year later in october well two different sources october 6th or 7th but this week 1967 spock with a beard mm-hmm. <laughs> there was Mirror, a lot Mirror. of there was a lot of evil characters on on these days yeah. yes yeah yeah and that's the show that launched the, a million memes, which is pretty much anybody who has a certain beard is an evil somebody. And that was Mirror Mirror, of course, where Kirk, Uhuru, Scotty, and um, Dr. McCoy go into the Mirror Universe, which has come back in several episodes. I don't think it's ever been as successful as in the original series, honestly. Mm. But, um, uh-oh, Veronica, you got to look in there. Deep Space Nine, come on. Uh, Deep Space Nine used uh, the Beard Universe better than any other series. Okay, I love it. It sounded like you just said the Beard Universe, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> awesome. The Beard. Okay, I we honestly, I honestly the think beard. the the two parter in last season of Discovery was phenomenal. That was good. That was good. I, yes, I anyway. agree. I also think the through a mirror darkly on Enterprise, although continuity oh, yeah. wise, it's oh, a yeah. nightmare continuity wise, but it's a good <laughs> it's one. Well, you know, we're gonna, that's another thing in the mirror universe show. We're yep. <laughs> we're gonna have to talk yeah. about that. That's a real good one. And um, 1991, October 7th, for me personally, this is a significant show, which was Ensign Row. Mm. Oh, yeah. Introduced to me one of the best characters in all of Star Trek. Uh, Row introduced some. Some conflict. She wasn't by the book. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers for those who don't know, she ended up not staying with the series because the actress Michelle Forbes didn't want to get locked into Star Trek. She was supposed to go on the Deep Space Nine to take the position that ultimately came occupied by Nana Visitor as Major Kira. What could have been? I know in the novelizations, and Charles, you probably know way better than me. I know in the novelizations, Ro is back, right? She's on Deep Space Nine. Right. On the DS9 relaunch, Ro comes back and basically takes over Odo's position as the security mm-hmm. chief. Mm, right. 
just one of my favorite characters, all of Star Trek. Michelle Forbes is just great in that. And then just a couple of things real quick to finish out. Um, well, actually, just one birthday, and that was on October 9th this week, 1954, Scott Bakula. Hey. Hey. Who, believe it or not, I really got used to in movies, like there was a Clive Barker movie he did and so forth. I never watched Quantum Leap very much. So I was aware of him, but didn't watch it a lot. I was obsessed with Quantum Leap. <laughs> I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I spent most of the sixth grade pretending that I was Dr. Sam Beckett leaped into a sixth grader. <laughs> I don't think you've mentioned that. If you did, it was on a week that I wasn't here. I, I That's amazing. Old, I turned an old uh, refrigerator box and like just like turned it into my little Ziggy <laughs> computer great. and had like colored, had a little handheld oh, that would stick into it. I was oh, into amazing. Quantum Leap. Oh, wow. You got to have pictures. <laughs> I do not. Unfortunately. And the last thing this the last thing this week in 1988, October 4th, for the first time generally available, the cage was released. Oh, yeah. I, right. I think I had forgotten that and I hadn't realized that. Um, this, of course, was the original series pilot starring Jeff Hunter and others. And and um, and that did not succeed. But, of course, the original series was given a second pilot where William Shatton and others were brought in. And I guess for some reason, I've seen the Menagerie so much. I thought I had seen the cage before, mm-hmm. I, but I guess I hadn't. Yeah. I think it's a great show. I think it stands on. I can see, I guess, why NBC was concerned about it. But, man, I think it's a great, great pilot, personally. Yeah, I agree. The stuff they cut out for the Menagerie, they mm-hmm. made the right choices. I think Agreed. it works just fine without those cuts. I mean, it's it's a shame that they didn't use the women. Yes. <laughs> the yes. women is in there, but stuff like Captain Pike saying, I can't get used to women on the bridge. And there's like right. three yeah. women on the bridge at the time when he says it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, right. well, it, he does say, I, I can't use women on the bridge. No offense. Number one. <laughs> you're different. Yeah. You're different. I mean, yeah. that's how insulting. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sixties. You're you. just one of the guys. Number one. That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the news for this week. I'm sorry. That's this week in Trek for this week. <laughs> Get it right, Keith. <laughs> Get it right, man. Get it right. All right. Then we'll take a quick break uh, to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. Welcome to the Ring of Thunder, the most electrifying wrestling podcast in the Thunderverse and the ESO Network. From the power of the people's host, Sexy Thor, critics say, it doesn't matter what the critics say. You already know you're in for a hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, hair raising time with this weekly wrestling adventure, WWE, AEW, Impact, and whatever else I can possibly fit. If you hear what the Thunder is talking. All right, so this week, uh, in anticipation of next week's Lower Decks finale, we thought we would talk about our favorite season finales in Star Trek. And now I'm assuming that we're discounting the series finales and holding those for another discussion. Yeah, when I made my list, I didn't count any series finale. That's a little bit of a different discussion. Exactly. This is just season finales. Right. So anybody want to jump out first with, I feel like almost that we should say series finales except for Best of Both Worlds. Yes. Oh, because best dude. of both the worlds is going to be the top of the, on the list, yeah. I think. Yeah, could, but, but go ahead. <laughs> best of both to, worlds. Does anybody have best that of both worlds? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, heck yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it, it be fun if we all held up our pads and that was the only thing written on any of <laughs> Podcast over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, come on. At that time, they had only ever done one two-parter. And that was uh, Menagerie, yeah. which was a constructed two-parter, basically. Yeah. And they had never done a series-ending cliffhanger. Yeah. And I will never forget, like, watching this episode, and I was glued to the television, except, except I would glance up at the clock on the, on the wall, like, just, like, you know, glance up really quickly because i was like how are they going to wrap this up because the thought of a cliffhanger just you didn't occur to me because they'd never done that before mm. and it got down to like the the second hand is clicking up and i'm like how are they gonna do this and then it was like mr wharf fire and the screen goes black and i lost my mind <laughs> yeah holy cow yes 
it's a little bit more impactful when it's not something that's done regularly. Like that's the thing you do with TV shows now. You you don't you don't have a nice pretty wrap up at the end of the season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like to your point, Veronica. In, in the uh, there's a there's a thing that goes around. There, there's a famous comic book series. I know you all heard of whether you read or not. Was the death of Superman? Yeah. And there's a there's a meme that goes around saying that DC Comics didn't kill Superman. DC Comics killed death because after that. <laughs> As awesome as that series is, the death of a character became so common. And, and to your point, you know, so it's like you never buy it. You never buy it. I, I don't think they used to be the only people in the comic book world that stayed permanently dead were Uncle Ben and Kal-El's parents and Mary and um, Martha Wayne. Stays. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Batman's parents. Even that sometimes isn't the thing. But to your point, Veronica, at the time, we didn't know because there were negotiations going on where Patrick Stewart wasn't sure he was coming back to yeah. the series. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this was these were this was this was before binge watching, and this is before all shows were released all at once as they often are. So to your point, Alan, when that when that thing went black, we were like, "Holy crap, what's going to yeah. happen?" Right, and, and of we course, that's know. what the writers were saying too. Holy <laughs> yeah. crap, what's going to happen yeah. next season? <laughs> yeah, and there was an entire summer of waiting to know what happened. Oh my also, gosh. We, we talk about the music sometimes, and I think, at least for me, the, the only good music, the only show that still has music that I absolutely know is the original series for reasons we know why. But, Alan, when you were saying that about when he says, Mr. Warfire, I remember the music of that episode today. Because when he <laughs> does it, there's just this, I can't do it. Dun, 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 dun. It was awesome. <laughs> It is just one of the, it's probably the best cliffhanger in all of Star Trek. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I will say that I don't think uh, Next Gen ever topped that. Um, I think they got close. I mean, it's it's not one of the ones that people think of as, you know, top of the list kind of favorite. But I thought Time Zero was fantastic. Mm. And I really, really enjoyed part one. So that's another season finale that I loved. Yeah. Time Zero is good, um, especially that, the imagery of it's not the cliffhanger, but the, the way it starts off with we found data's head under San yes. Francisco. It's like, what a, what a compelling mystery. For exactly. The exactly. Okay. So you remember the, the, the landlady that the crew is staying with and she mm-hmm. always comes in and she says, Mr. Pickard. Mm-hmm. So to me, the new, the current <laughs> series is Star Trek Pickard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Q called them Pickard one time too. Jean-Luc Pickard. <laughs> I like out of time episodes anyway. So just data yeah. running around in San Francisco is fun. Yeah. And I like the cheesy stuff. Like I'm from South America, which right. makes no right. sense, <laughs> but okay. And, and Jack London, of course, right. yeah. was funny. Yeah. And, and Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. I, I love that two-parter so much. Mm-hmm. I find myself in the minority as a person who doesn't like time zero very much. Okay. Get out. Um, it, yeah, I know. I know. I, kidding, it's kidding. okay. And I just, I, I, every time that dude is doing Mark Twain, I, I just, ugh. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I can't, I can't, I can't let go. It's, I can't deal with, I can't yeah. go there. <laughs> it's a little exaggerated, but he yeah. is known for that on, on stage. Mm. Yeah. For his, for his Twain portrayals. I don't remember if it's this episode or the following episode where the line comes from, but he has this great line where he says something. I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's like, uh, you know, eavesdropping is no behavior for a gentleman, but the deed, as they say, is done. It's done. I love that line. <laughs> I love that. God, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. One real quick thing. We're going a little far afield. Um, when you talk about, since we talked about the best of both worlds, I personally find the finale, the concluding, a little disappointing, a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. How do well, y'all feel about it? I mean, yeah. Mo- most of the series premieres that are like wrapping up a cliffhanger are yeah. disappointing. Yeah. I think I said that last week. <laughs> it was just like, you right. did. Yeah. Exactly. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're usually a letdown, but you know, it's, right. it's, it's usually they just, they, just, they get past that as quickly as possible and then continue on with the story. Right. Exactly. exactly. Although that did lead into a, one of the better shows too. Again, I'm going really far afield, but that episode family, when they dealt mm-hmm. with the aftermath, oh, that yeah. was something that was never done much in Star Trek. And oh, I yeah. love that. So, which is another one we'll have to talk yeah. about at some point in time. So it, it kicked off a lot. Of- it goes back to just how great best of both worlds is because it set up, they, they, they need right. a few episodes to really resolve right. that. Right, right, right. Great. Veronica, you're quiet. What's your, yeah, what, you what's a series finale, you, a season finale you like? So I had, Several actually. So initially, the first one that came to my mind was Lower Decks season one. Um, 
and I had to look mm. up the episode name because I don't remember those things. No small parts. No small parts. Yeah. That's on my list too. Yeah. yeah, that's a great episode. That was the first Fantastic. one that came to mind. And talk yeah. about taking a show to a different level. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Because you you bring back the packleds of all people and make them the bad mm-hmm. guys. That was that was exciting. Yep. And then Riker's in it, and so you know. And Troy. Riker and Troy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Don't be don't be leaving out my Troy now. Well, even just from the the first sequence with that other starship, and it it turns into a big battle, and then they they try to escape, and they explode. It's very dramatic, and you're like, "Well, what am I watching? This is not yeah. what the previous right. nine episodes prepared me to see." <laughs> no. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was such a strong episode, and it really sort of brought the the whole season to a, a, a big climax. I mean, that was really at, at the pinnacle of that mm-hmm. first season. Whereas uh, the ninth episode uh, was such a big step forward, narratively speaking, and just led you into that finale in such a big way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. God, it was so good. Yeah. So good. Okay. So others, uh, we were talking about Borg from Best of Both Worlds, but uh, Scorpion, yes. part one, where, mm-hmm. where we yes. get our first glimpse of uh the oh man seven of nine i know words no. <laughs> well she's in part two she's not in part one at all no okay I don't, <laughs> but we do get our first glimpse of species 8472 yes which mm. was such an amazing addition oh yeah it was a big deal at the time because it was the first it, cgi like major alien non-humanoid yeah fig- yeah exactly man it was that was kind of shocking. And the way that they sort of like played them on screen with the the whole like uh, horror movie kind of angle, you mm-hmm. know, that approach to it was so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the the second episode was was one of the few ones where they didn't like wrap it up really quickly. Mm. But that's just my vague recollection of the second mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, it sort of ends with Janeway's on the board queue. Yeah, and they're yes. going off. Yeah. And now, yeah. But I mean, it was, it was a big deal for Voyager because from the time they arrived in the Delta Quadrant, you're waiting for mm-hmm. the board. You're, you're waiting, waiting for, the for Delta this. Quadrant. And it took till the exactly. end of season three to yeah. get to the board. Which is an amazing right. restraint on their part. Which is, <laughs> yeah. But lucky for them, they waited until after first contact created all that expensive Borg stuff that they could use. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> but what was really cool was that they introduced the Borg to the audience in an opening sequence where uh, a whole fleet of Borg cubes gets wiped out. Oh, yeah. And you're like, holy cow, what is it behind that? whatever that thing is that just destroyed all those board cubes. Oh yeah. So what a great setup that was. You're talking about the prologue of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That that's probably, I don't know. That may be the shortest prologue in Trek history. You're right. Because it shows the Borg and he does resistance is futile. And then a beam and then boom. And And that's it. Boom. And then they go to the opening. Yeah. Yeah, That is that. That was good stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan of the whole like eight, four, seven, two, uh, introduction and storyline across yes. numerous episodes, but yeah. I thought that they played so well in that story. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, it was exciting. And that's your, what you're saying, the scene of the planet exploding and then the board cube tractoring the, uh, oh, the man. Out there. That is just amazing. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. And that was another one. You didn't know how they were going to get out of it. Cause thank goodness they were able to reach some kind of stalemate with eight, four, seven, two, cause those people are no joke. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Charles, you haven't given us one yet. No, I haven't. I was thinking about it today because I'm a big original series guy. And the original series had the worst series finale. They're not finales. But they're not finales. At that time, they're the last episode of the series. But the funny thing about the original series is every season, if you stopped one episode earlier, it would be so much better. (laughs) You're absolutely (laughs) right. Season one Ah. ends with Operation Annihilate. The episode before that is City on the Edge of Forever. (laughs) Right, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Every season, they kind of stepped one step too far. (laughs) Okay, what if next there was giant brain cells attacking the crew? (laughs) Yeah, Tucker's reading me the summaries of of the uh, original series season finales, and then I was like, uh, "Yeah, what? What? They actually what?" But you know what? <laughs> I was um, and I, I had to check on this because I didn't remember the animated series. What was the last episode of season one? But it was the Jihad, which the I Jihad, think, yeah, which is a good one. Yeah, it's a stronger finale, uh, not finale, but a stronger last good. episode of the season than I think. It- any of the original series episodes had i agree and uh it has sort of an epic scale to it so yeah. it feels like a season finale yeah yeah i thought it was fantastic 
Yeah, and just a lot of cool aliens. Like mm-hmm. you know, we always talk about the animated series, how they have cool aliens, but they they, they packed them into this they, one. Every one of them that they come <laughs> up with at that point, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'll say is the jihad. Nice, that's a good one. How about you, Keith? You know, it's funny we're talking about season enders and that are sometimes cliffhangers and sometimes not. I tell you, one se- the series that may have the best season enders probably is Deep Space Nine. Yes, yes. of course um, it is. I have two on my list. Too. Yeah, and just to just make it easy, I just went to the first season, which was in the hands of the prophets. Yeah, yeah, and that's the season ender of season one. Oh wait, that was three. Sorry, I had three favorite enders three. from DS9. <laughs> well, it's yes. just so awesome. And for those it really who remember, is. Yeah, this is the one where Keiko is, is she's a school teacher on Deep Space Nine. She's teaching to her just science and objections are reached by the Bajoran people stirred up by the one, probably one of the best antagonists in all of Trek history, mm-hmm. yep. which was um, Kai Wen. Yeah, Vedic Wen at that Vedic point. Vedic, yeah, yeah, Vedic at the yeah. time. Yeah, Vedic later Kai. She's a few steps away from being Vedic or uh, right. Kai quite yet. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole story, the whole thing, it, it, the reason it's a good episode is because it gets at the heart of not just what Deep Space Nine is about, but mm. just about real life, what Trek does, which at the end of the day is to the Bajoran people, the wormhole aliens are prophets, they're true gods. Yeah. And then there's a whole question, Star Trek has always not really been about religion, but Deep Space Nine was so different because it was it was a religion. It was a show that dealt with religion in a way yep. that Rockberry would not have, I really feel. And this episode, it was in-universe dealing with religion and Mm -hmm. in our universe dealing with religion because the whole thing was Keiko was teaching evolution and she's Mm -hmm. teaching about science and Vedic Wen is like, yeah, but you're not teaching that the prophets are are gods. And Keiko tries to compromise and say, I'm not teaching that. You can believe that. That's what you want to believe. And she basically gives the whole thing of this is a school. This is where we teach science. You want to teach religion? You can teach it in a church or a temple Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's a conversation that we have in our real society. That's a conversation that we have had in the well, society. Well, yeah, it was a hot button yes. issue at that Absolutely. time. I mean, this, yeah, this was. was this was yes. actively in the news on a regular basis when Absolutely. that episode came out. I Absolutely. mean, it's incredibly timely. Yeah. And here in the, and here in the United States, as we record this, we are having legal and court battles about things such as churches and religious schools and can they be tax exempt and so forth. And we're having a lot of discussions about that. Uh, for me, it's, a, it's also a very personal show because like most people probably of my age, I was raised in a church. My late father was a minister. He was a licensed minister, attended seminary. But my parents, the way they believe, the way I believe was like, Personal thing, I believe in a God. I also believe that the earth is 4.5 billion years old. And I can find people right now who tell you that ain't the case. The earth is 10,000 years old. (laughs) Um, I had an argument, a discussion with someone who works in technology only a year ago who denied that dinosaurs existed because the earth is not old enough for that. Mm. And so every time I watch this, yeah, Veronica, look at your face. I know, right? Says it all. (laughs) Um, And so this show was so good in how it dealt with those. And, you know, to the point at the same time, um, I don't believe that you should take away someone's faith mm-hmm. if people have faith. I have, on the other side, I've had talks with friends who are agnostic and straight up atheists who just belittle people who believe in a deity. Mm-hmm. And I always say, don't put down religion either. I don't like religious people to put down people who don't believe, and I don't like people who don't believe to put down those who do believe. Of course, the whole point with Vedic win and stuff is when you use that religion to tell other people how to act, and you use it as a hammer. And in her case, use it as... Um, an explosion? An explosion. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's, it's just, it's an incredibly complex show, especially for a series that was finding its own footing and establishing itself. It establishes so many concepts that Deep Space Nine goes on to explore. It's, it's an incredibly packed episode that just keeps on giving. And Louise Fletcher, what can you say? Oh, wow. my God. She's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know I said this when we discussed this episode back in our 20th episode, um, mm-hmm. but it's just taking that hot button modern day, you know, mm-hmm. and then the headlines topic and just seamlessly putting it into Star Trek. It yes. just yes. fit so perfectly yeah. on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because they had spent at least part of that season building that idea of establishing a school on the station, yes. mm-hmm. of right. having children go to uh, this school on that station, of having Nog and his father being at odds about him being in that school. So yeah. it was so well-developed. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. And that was back when Rom was still, Rom mm-hmm. was not the goofball. He became. <laughs> Rom he wasn't was kind Rom. Of a, right, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a mean guy. So he had his own objections to the school. So just right. an absolute great episode. And then season two ends with the Jim Hadar. Yep. That's a good one. Oh, yes. That's so, right. I, what I love about that one is it starts off like just a regular episode. Yeah. He yeah. wants to go camping and now Quark and Nog are coming along and wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and then pretty soon they're captured by the Dominion and it's, you know. Right. And you finally find out, like really kind of find out what the Dominion is. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that had yeah. been building too from a from like a, a one-off mention of the yeah. word Dominion earlier yeah. in the season. And yeah. you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Oh man, they laid those seeds and and just built that so gradually and mm-hmm. so carefully. And Jim Hadar was, and when they captured, was that, wasn't that the one? Was that the one where spoilers? To anyone who hadn't seen it, where they put them in a kind of a, um, they Circle put them in a thing, thing. Yeah, where they were basically, it was it was all in their minds, right? The the escape and the things they did. Was that the one? No, this is the one mm-hmm. where they're on the planet and the the and the Jim Hadar show up and the Vorta. And the Jim Hardar do that weird thing where they like kind of phase in. Yeah, they have, they have where they're like, power. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the one with the okay, that's the one with the board to also display some kind of telekinetic power that we never saw mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the border the border shoots them with kind of like this this energy sphere kind of yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And at first they think that she's you know they don't realize that she's part of the Dominion. Right. You know, she's right. just an alien. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but a good episode. As well. It really is. Yeah. And it's I don't great- think it's the strongest season finale that DS9 did. No, but it's fun and it has. <laughs> it uh, is fun. It has um, Fringy in it. And it has a great scene with Court challenging the Fringy racism or racism against the Fringy or prejudice against the Fringy right, right, that right. Federation people ha- ha- always have. Yeah, that's true. I'd forgotten about that. He, but he's got, he's got some really good scenes with Cisco about that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right, Veronica, what's your third? Okay. Okay. Go ahead, list okay. season three. Okay. No, I <laughs> you not have six of them. No. No. Because I don't really you, remember. If you don't get the one that I have on my list, then that's all the arms. Yes. It's oh, gonna be on there. It has gosh. to be on there. Oh my god, gosh. that episode is so intense. Yeah. I mean, for oh me, that's up there gosh. with best of both worlds as far Absolutely. as quality. Absolutely. Holy cow. And talk about a great ending cliffhanger where they they've lost the station. (laughs) Yeah, right. The bad guys won. And coming uh, into season six, they are off the station for the first six episodes. Can you imagine any series where the main crew is off of the title vessel for six episodes? Especially at that time. Especially at that time. That was incredible. Yeah. That was, I mean, I, I felt like that was such, it, it, it gave the whole plot line such a, a sense of risk. Yeah. Like, now, oh, man. We said they left the station. Is that, in that, is that, in that, the, is that the one where they ended it with Goldicott and, um, yeah, when they take yeah. the station? Yeah. Where they pick up the baseball? Yes. And Heck it yeah. is, you know, it's funny. Mark Alamo, I had seen Mark Alamo do a million things. My gosh, everything from like, police woman probably the murder she wrote he was one of those character actors you always saw because of his craggy face he always played a bad guy <laughs> but man i tell you when they brought him on the deep space nine that the acting that he displayed because when they walk onto the promenade now that they've mm. taken the station there is a swagger that he has and there's a swagger that dumar has that is just amazing and that you can tell they are just they are just they're, they're, they're triumphant and I love Wei Yun always being practical. He said he talks about how Captain Cisco has been very efficient and basically sabotaging the station. And Dukat is just so he's so triumphant. He says basically we can fix it again. He's back in his power. And to the point you made, Alan, the baseball that was left behind, man, that was so awesome. But also, there's that whole angle of uh, the Starfleet personnel have loaded up on the ships. They have yes. left the station. And yes. after they're gone, Cisco realizes, holy crap, my son stayed on the Thank station. <laughs> yes. That He's a war reporter. <laughs> a war reporter. Exactly. Yes. I yes. loved that. And that's I thought of- that gave, uh, you know, because there was there was quite a period of time where Jake wasn't really much more than just a best friend to Nog and they would hang out on the promenade. And this gave him like an anchor in the story. This gave him a purpose and it gave him something that was a uniquely um, it was uniquely his 
there had never been a, a character in Star Trek that was basically a war reporter yeah. exactly. or a journalist of any kind. I yeah. thought, yeah. man, I thought it was so great for him. And it's Cisco. Yeah. And Cisco having to acknowledge that his son's a man. Now he can make his yeah. own choices. He stayed behind enemy yeah. lines. That's his yeah. choice. And I can't and turn him this having ship to, around. Right. And him having to explain this to his father. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is going to be a problem. I think Brock Peters is one of the, I mean, first of all, he's just an amazing man, but I, I just thought he was one of the, uh, he played one of the greatest characters in DS9. He wasn't on, but like, you know, eight episodes or something, but I absolutely loved him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we, you, you always hear about how, you know, um, Cisco and uh, his son, had this on screen on screen chemistry where you believed that they were father and son where you they had that familial sort of thing but i think that that um avery brooks and brock peters had that too mm-hmm. yeah like you but like that whole extended family you bought into 100 percent. yeah and i know in, in real life um Sirach lofton and avery yeah. brooks are still extremely close oh, yeah. Right. They, 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 they bonded like father and son. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, to your point, Alan, when Brock Peters passed away, Avery Brooks posted some really you know, warm and heartfelt things about that. He was, he was mm-hmm. devastated mm-hmm. when Brock Peters passed away. One of the things I, I love about that uh, finale as well is when you, um, is when it, after Cisco realized that Jake is there and you see the scene where the cotton, his triumph is back in his office, looking at the baseball, they flash back. Which is just an amazing. It, it was it was so exciting. They flash back to the Defiant, and they're playing that martial music, and you see the Defiant, and then you see that entire fleet coming this way, yes. and then you see the ships, and the Defiant joins the fleet, and then they turn around and yep. join. They come toward the camera, dude. Wow, wow. That is that is one of the most exciting moments in all of Star Trek. It is. Yes. Holy cow! And, and, and that was and you're back like, when. Yeah, there were no fleet shots. I mean, you have the original right, series yes. and you have the same shot of the Enterprise four times. Right. Or right, yes. on Next Gen when you saw another ship and it'd be a reuse of the, mm-hmm. you know, the Excelsior or something like that. But you, you never had these big, big massive fleet, fleet shots. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when, you know, especially later in season six, that's when they started doing digital models instead mm-hmm. of physical models. And it really gave the, the ability to bulk up uh, space battles to a point where some of the some of the battle scenes in uh, DS9 season six and seven are, I mean, incredible to this day, they stand up and are superior to a lot of other things that you've seen. And I will say better than any space battle scene we've seen in Discovery. Yeah, I, I think so. I yeah. think so. Deep Space Nine has some of the best battles ever. Yeah. I was going to say, because a lot of even the new stuff will just use a bunch of the exact same ship. <laughs> That's right. exactly right. They did the same thing on like Picard. Yeah. Right. You have the same ship over and over and over and over again. That's what made me think of. It was like the M5 battle again, where it's the, the Enterprise four times that they're fighting. Right. Against, you know? <laughs> I will yeah. say Lower Decks has done a little bit, a bit of a better job. Lower but... Decks yeah. has had some beautiful. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, and part of it may be that my expectations are so much lower, so they're blown away every time it happens. <laughs> but I think they've done some really, some really great work, though, because you don't expect it from Lower Decks. Right. All, All right. right. So... Uh, before we end this segment, I got to get one in. Go ahead. Okay. I got to. I got to get because you guys have uh, pretty much named all the ones that were on my list, except for Turn Enterprise. No, Enterprise. <laughs> um, Which season one? two ends with the Expanse. Mm-hmm. Alan, that, you have my mind, and it opens with this alien probe that comes from somewhere from somebody we have no idea who. Yep. And it enters Earth orbit. Uh, right above the United States and blasts a massive hole across the entirety of Florida. Oh yeah. Holy smokes. And then that whole episode deals with um, the crew's reactions to the news and the assignment of a new mission, which sets the tone for season three, which I think is one of the greatest seasons of Star Trek ever, Mm. but that. That finale. And I was going to say the, the finale of season three also is incredible. The wrap up of the Zindi uh, war storyline is unbelievable, but it all starts with the finale of season two with the expanse. And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's a great right. episode. I agree. And that was a, that was a significant episode for a whole bunch of reasons. More, It also really established a different tone for enterprise than yep. 
anything else other than possibly Deep Space Nine. Uh, that was in May of 2003. So it was absolutely obviously influenced by the 9-11 attacks in the United States mm-hmm. and the World Trade right. Center. Oh, yeah. Graphic, where it all came. Yeah. And also to your point, Alan, um, that that season two, there's so much stuff that goes on there. Spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but there's things such as Captain Ar- Captain Archer loses his way during this time. He People talk about the person who's probably come closest to violating the prime directive or the, or the principles of Starfleet was Cisco with some of the things he did. But yeah. some of the actions that Archer takes in that season trying to save Earth, he commits acts of piracy. There's a couple in times season he, three, you mean? Yeah, in season three. Two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Follow, the follow-up season, right, yeah, right, right. The story that it, oh, yeah. story that it leads yeah. into season three. Archer goes into some dark places in the Zindi season. Really does. Uh, there's a couple times where you literally think he might kill somebody. He's yeah. interrogating because he needs to do so. He tortures. Um, a, he tortures a guy to get absolutely. information. He, absolutely. he steals from a, a ship that's in trouble because yep. they have something that he needs to finish his mission, and he strands them. Absolutely. I mean, it is. He, he is a he's a different character in that season, but he's driven to that point by this uh, this scenario that he's in that he I mean, you can't win unless right. you do these things. Yeah. And there's, and there's a scene. Well, we'll have, it's a there's a scene where he has this moment with flocks where he yes. says, I'm about to do something that I thought I would never do. And yes, and it is an incredible scene. Absolutely. Enterprise is a is a very I, the more I've rewatched Enterprise recently, it is a much better episode, I think, than some people think. And it's a very oh, yeah. complex show. And I see the series, it could have been if Berman and Braga had been able to do what they wanted to do, which is stretch out the first season before they even mm-hmm. got to space. They wanted to, they, the Temporal Cold War, they didn't want to do. The network made them do that because they wanted to do something exciting. But you're right, the complexities of the war that follows with the Zendi, things that make you mad, um, such as the Vulcans who pretty much sat back and said, you're on your own. One of the, the subplot there was to Paul had to decide, was she going to stay with Enterprise or be recalled yeah. by Vulcan High Command? Because their attitude, like, they're Vulcans. It was pretty much, yeah, those stupid illogical humans, they probably brought this on themselves. Um, so let them leave them to their own devices. Not realizing, of course, later on that this battle that Earth is fighting was the battle for the entire Alpha Quadrant and the entire galaxy. So fortunate that Archer and them did that, but it's frustrating to watch the Vulcans be Vulcans in that series, uh, in that season. But I love the Vulcans. In, in yeah, I do too. I do too. Well, we need, to awesome. take, we need to take it when we have a uh, time for a full hour show. We need to do a deep dive into season three of Enterprise then. And we've got time ready for it. Really, and plus, that'll give Veronica time to watch it before we do that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> gives you time to like it more. I Charles. have actually seen the season two finale. I can't so promise that. Keith. I don't think I've seen much of season three. <laughs> ah, awesome. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break for a special message from the ESO network. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion of this week's Lower Deck episode. So stay right there. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. All right, so this week we're talking about the ninth episode of season two of Lower Decks, the first Star Trek episode, I think, with a title in Klingon, Wedge Dudge. Yes. yes. I, knew I was so excited. Yeah, Veronica <laughs> recognized the word Dudge. Yeah, because it oh, sounds okay. like it's From one of the Duolingo. words. Yeah, and <laughs> I remember it because it sounds like Dirge, which is a ship, and Dudge means ship. But I will say you didn't recognize it no, in the Klingon I didn't. script. No, I did not you recognize it in Klingon script, and I didn't recognize uh, the the number. I haven't memorized the numbers yet. Okay. You would think that would be one of the first things you do in a language, but no. <laughs> so what's the translation of the title, Veronica? Three ships. 
Three cool. ships. Oh, oh what a great nice. freaking episode. Holy cow, this was a good episode. Did anybody yeah. not love this episode? They, no. they, all I, I was watching the episode and all I kept saying, I was thinking was, these people really love Star Trek. <laughs> and right. they really keep surprising me. I did not expect this one. Yeah. Um, it's important to note that this is another episode where it's not heavily laden with millions of references to mm-hmm. past shows. This was mm-hmm. a solid story from start to finish that relies on the audience's knowledge of star trek but doesn't have to like mention it every mm-hmm. sentence well and, they're just and, using the lore just using exactly, the universe exactly like, you mean like when you go to your bunk you just knock the crap out of somebody and, <laughs> and push them out for no good reason like the klingon lady did to the guy that was just like, the way you know the way the klingons kept punching each other every time they were <laughs> yeah. talking to that one dude hey, he zoo, man. <laughs> right. yeah you don't want to be the lowest ranked guy on a klingon ship that's that's yeah. a rough job no, I, yeah. I love that there was a Klingon guy in a towel wandering around the corridor. Yes. <laughs> what I thought was really cool is that, okay, so we have the, the, the really interesting setup where we're paralleling three different ships, Klingon, Vulcan, and uh, Starfleet, and we get to see the lower decks on each one. That could have been easily done as a, uh, just a setup for humor. Mm-hmm. But every the storyline on all three ships was uh, thought out and well developed, and all had like a good um, a good plot line through it. So every every one felt like its own important story. Mm-hmm. And I did not expect them to all come together at the end. No, no, no I no. didn't either. Because I thought it was just going to be that. like, oh, cool, we're going to learn about lower decks on the other uh, species yes. ships. Right. But Same no. here. No. Yeah. And I love that there were commonalities. There's universal mm-hmm. things like you have basically a Klingon Boimler and basically a Vulcan Mariner. <laughs> yep. But you don't have the whole crew. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's not like it's all of them just with Klingon ridges, you know, but, you know, there's the, the, the Klingon guy who's super eager to, to get promoted and do the grunt work and excited to yep. be on the bridge and wants yep. to be a captain. And then you have the, you know, the, the Vulcan who's a hothead and can't be controlled, <laughs> way out of control. Oh, I love it. They kept talking about, he talked about her outbursts. Your outbursts. Yes. <laughs> oh, that I loved it so much. I loved her. Yes. Yes. She and was I, great. I want her to be a recurring character. That yes. has to happen. Somehow they sent her to Starfleet. The they, they've sent her to Starfleet. Oh, yes. oh yes. speaking of that, I loved the fact that on Discovery, they have T-shirts that say disco. Mm-hmm. We now know on the Cerritos, they have T-shirts that say Ritos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. That, that is hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. But yeah, so she's been uh, packed off to Starfleet. So I'm sure we're going to see her again. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, that she may join the Discover, I mean, um, the Cerritos crew yep. in season three. Yeah. Or Not in sh- every episode, because, but she would, should be there sometime. She might show up next week. Yeah, she very well may. We, that's what I'm wondering. We could well see the Klingon guy next week, too, because that storyline is still ongoing. He's headed back Ex- to the high castle. Yeah. Exactly. So it's going to be another confrontation with the Vulcans. Uh, it's going to be uh, confronting this uh, Klingon ship. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow the Titans got to work into this. <laughs> somehow. It's got yeah. to. Yeah, yeah we, keep, <laughs> yeah, we want them to come back. Other Boimler out there. Yeah. Exactly. We have to get a, a catch up on other Boimler. Yeah. And we got to have Riker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, come on, uh, bring Troy this time. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like it when the Vulcans were riffing that guy when he said that he'd be the logical choice to be first officer, and then they they she kicks him, and the other guy hits him and says, "Logical? What are you a Vulcan?" And then they, yeah. they walk up, and they start talking about walking working on a Vulcan ship. One of them goes, "Yeah, can you imagine?" They said, "What are you going to trim your bangs and join the science vessel?" Right, <laughs> it was just great. <laughs> and we did learn it's important for a Klingon captain to walk his own targ. You, you you don't want your targ to be loyal to somebody wow. else because right yeah <laughs> right i love the inclusion of a targ yes and i'm going to start using that it was an honorable movement i think that's what I know. He said. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was the best line of the whole episode but we got an answer as to who's been assisting the packlets right this crazy yes. one Klingon captain. Well, we assume what well, we, we saw assume is one. there's one Klingon captain who's trying to destabilize it. There could be yep. other people in cahoots with him. We don't know yet. Yeah, it could be kind of like uh, shades of the Star Trek movie where the Federation Klingons and so forth and the Federation the Starfleet officers, Roman officers and Klingon officers. Remember, they wanted to foment a war because they all felt the peace was a bad idea for mm-hmm. them. 
So yeah. to your point, there could be other people involved here. Now, yeah. I, did, I did not expect it to go to that place. And I love it when the guy walks onto the bridge and he was like, it's good too. And all of a sudden a knife zooms by because <laughs> the captain's in the process of dispatching the first officer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great, and I loved the pack led ship. I just I, I oh, always yeah. laugh at the things like red alarm, red alarm, red alarm. They, they tested out. the bomb, and then it, it wouldn't was, work anymore. Yes, and they said it was it was the pack led ship, pack led, the yes. pack led ship, pack led, exactly. Yeah. The bomb, you only use it once. <laughs> yes, and then she introduces herself once again. He goes, "We've met several times." It was a nice calm voyage for the Cerritos for a while and got a lot of character stuff out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shaq's making pottery to deal with his, you know, basically PTSD from, you know, mm-hmm. living on Bajor. Yeah. Uh, which is, they was played for laps, but it's pretty serious character development as well. Agreed. Agreed. And I did like the, I mean, the, the Boimler setup was done purely for laughs with the other characters. Uh, including a Bolian who is from Hawaii. Well, it's a Benzite. I mean, a Benzite. Sorry, I got my racism, my <laughs> B words mixed up. Um, the Benzite who is from Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, none of them are from Hawaii. No, nope. yeah. that was they great. They all are from various moons. And I, I thought that was really, it was done as a funny thing, but I still enjoyed um, all that. I mean, I, I, I want to see, you know, a little bit more of that little clan. Yeah, and but it, it was for laughs, but also it showed that Ransom was like Boimler once. Exactly. He was lying, <laughs> he was saying the same lie to, yep. to getting good with his commander, and that came back around at the end. Everything that this show does, even when it's playing for laughs, means something, mm-hmm. yeah, which I think I is was... amazing for this kind of animated show. I think they're, the writing is so on point. I agree. I was caught off guard at the end when the young guy comes up to Boimler and starts saying, oh, yeah. Ransom says, you're the most um, organized guy on the ship. And then they cut and you see Ransom looking at it over there with a smile, yeah. a, a kind of a tender moment that I didn't expect that. Yeah. Just a couple of weeks ago, you had Ransom complimenting him for his you yes. know, command yes. ability. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I thought yes. that's a nice little thread that they're weaving there that Boimler's he's continuing to prove himself and, yeah. you know, to, to show that he's got potential. He's not there yet. He's not just the crazy character who wants to be a captain like he actually <laughs> has the goods. He just yeah. is not matured enough yet. Yeah, right. 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 I like when Boimler goes in, when he goes in and he asks Shacks about doing pottery on Bajor. And this happens several times in the series. Somebody will go in there and say something to a person and everybody in the room, but the one person knows, because as soon as he said <laughs> that everybody in the room looked up and their eyes got real big, the dead Shacks went nuts talking about, you think I had anything else to do but fight fascism? And stuff like that. So that was just really wild. <laughs> Great yeah. scene. But I, I'm also betting that the other people in the pottery room like new shacks as well. Oh, yeah. I'm betting they were all like, "This is this is my bridge buddy," <laughs> so right. they probably already all knew that. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, it, well, it could be too that that's a pottery thing that he's there to put his anger into his pottery <laughs> that they they already know that you know that's right. sort of his therapy <laughs> is you know putting yeah. his anger into making little puppy ashtrays. It was <laughs> it was prescribed to him by the 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 bird doctor. Yeah. Yeah, whatever he's called. That sounds Dr. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I would there never you. remember that. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. It occurred to me watching this episode tonight that it, it seems so natural to these enterprise style Vulcan ring ships that until lower yes. decks, you'd never seen those in the 24th century. That was an enterprise invention. Those ring ships. That's true. and now it just seems natural that Vulcans would be in a ship with a big ring going around it. And it, it was really beautifully done. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In this episode, the bird of prey was, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Man, this, this, I mean, I love starships, just <laughs> yeah, love starships. Too. So, um, so, uh, what's this show called? Oh, Lower Decks. Has, <laughs> so, Lower Decks has been so good with their ship depictions. Oh, yeah. And they really have. And it's improving as it goes along. So, you look at the Cerritos right. was lower and lower detail in season one, but also that right. we got a brief glimpse of a bird of prey in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't look quite like the bird of prey and it wasn't as detailed, but then they've really stepped it up this season. Oh man. Absolutely. And it could just be a matter of it's a cartoon. They're playing with, you know, how detailed do we want the ships and stuff to be? Will it look silly if they're realistic? People are cartoons, but no, it works great. So keep doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the battle was, the battle was great too. We were talking about yeah. that again, for a show that has so much comedy, that was a really, all of a sudden it's a serious battle. Mm-hmm. And what, what it, I, what it was funny was when they were in the battle, did you see all the attire that the different people are in running around the decks? That's exactly <laughs> I, what I was just I about to that. say. I, I did that. too. 
the, I did yeah, too. Yeah, they're they're because they're all basically on leave or while yeah, they're you yeah. know are, are off while they're on this. But you know you have to leave into action. So if you're dressed like a Renaissance character, you gotta right. just yes. run to the bridge anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there was a brother in a smoking jacket with a pipe right. who came out like like Barry White. You're right. There was the Ren Fair people. One of whom was a dude in a lady's dress. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I one didn't of the, one see of, that one. Yeah. One of the ladies in the Ren Fair was a guy. I, I rewound it. It was it was a guy. Okay. There was a guy in forest green. It looked for all the world like Robin Hood that ran by. And he's real quick. He, and then there was a guy in what was either a Napoleonic uniform or, or old British Admiral uniform. I so, think I did see that one. Yeah. yeah. And then yet in some barns that was in like snow gear. And then the, yes. ca- the captains that are workout clothes, you say, hey, we, we all got to drop it and run up, <laughs> run to battle station. Yes. You don't have time to change. Especially those Renfair costumes. That takes time to change out of one of those. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And did y'all notice there were two women in those workout leotards, whatever, from the infamous um, Star oh. Trek episode with Crusher and Troy doing their calisthenics? I, I didn't either. Yes. I didn't either. I've seen those. They, they've mixed those in briefly in like different scenes this season, which yeah. I, I just think it's great. I, yes. I mean, not that I don't think that those costumes are necessarily great, but I think it's cute that they it's just love bringing things like bringing things back. Yeah. They're so 80s. Yeah, yes, that's true. <laughs> also, like it was funny when Boimler went up to um, what's what's the I'm um, God, what's the, the Tamarian's name? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the security officer. Oh, I just made a whole bunch of puppets Come of him. On, Kayshawn. <laughs> Kayshawn, you're right. And he's talking to him because he's taking a little bit of it and he says, Kandro and the force of Mila and also the guy gets offended and said, yeah, it is hard to lose weight. <laughs> like, what what I say? What I say? <laughs> but it's nice to see him get some dialogue this episode because yeah. we haven't seen a whole lot of him since he was introduced. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've gotten little glimpses of him. They really haven't focused on him much. A lot of times he'll be in the episode and just not say anything. Yeah. Exactly. The funny thing is that Boimler apparently took classes in that language yeah. at yeah. the academy it doesn't seem like a language that could be taught no, because it's not a structured language as much as it's just a collection of imagery. And so yeah. I thought that well, was just itself was hilarious. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I, I would expect that there'd be learning the stories behind the phrases. Oh, and sure. What the phrases mean learning the contexts. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. seem like it's something that you can like, it's a certain phrase that gets used for the same thing every time. You know right. what I mean? Like the context can change by the reference and it, you know, it's mm. just a big mishmash of things. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you'd have to have visuals. I think. Uh, yeah. I think you'd have to yeah. have visuals to see this stuff. But, Probably uh, so. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised to your point, given the difficulty of the language, I was a little surprised that language is being taught at the Academy now, yep. which means that, well, obviously the fact that guys even in Starfleet, because the last time we saw, at the end of that episode, Darmok, the Picard, I remember, I love that episode. I remember um, Riker says, new friends, Captain, and Picard says, I'm not sure, but at least they're not enemies. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they made a lot of headway with them in the last yeah. few years, which is great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I have to give a shout out to the Star Trek V references, because I love Star yes. Trek V references with the rocket <laughs> boots and the go climb a rock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was really yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah, I like what Tendy says. Thank, thank, thank goodness the safeties uh, are still on. She says they are on, are they? Uh, I, I think so. What? Yeah, <laughs> sure. So. She keeps on climbing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would expect that Dr. Tiana is pretty good at mountain climbing. Yes, I would think so. She seems right. to be built for it. Yep. yep. Yeah, but to the point you made, Charles, about um, not necessarily knowing if the Klingon is the only one who's behind the packlet, because I thought it was very interesting. Was his his new first officer took over the ship. And then I thought it was very interesting, the seriousness they put at the end where the captain says, yeah, we got to have a talk with Starfleet. And yeah, they said, Starfleet is really want to talk to the Klingons. And now the Vulcans, although that Vulcan captain being Vulcan was incredibly rude and basically like, are you injured? Bye. And just, and just flew off. But yeah, there's, there's a lot more coming there. They, there's a much deeper story they could write than just one captain seeking glory if they want to go that route because this is going to become a conversation of if principalities now the, Vul- the vulcans the klingons and the federation they have to talk about this yeah so there's <laughs> much more that could come and i like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and that they've shown that they're prepared to blow my expectations away yeah you know yes when it when it started i'm expecting just this sort of jokey cartoon right uh, and not expecting mm-hmm. it to you know become epic in any particular mm-hmm. week 
Um, I love the battle this episode, and I love that the, yes. the Star Trek Two shades of Star Trek Two music that we're playing uh, yes. during the battle in the soundtrack. I thought that was just really well done. I made a note of that. And uh, before we forget, even though it was called Three Ships, how about the fact that it was technically four lower decks? I know. Yeah, the little tag at the end. Yes. That was yeah. Oh, that was so cute. Well, five if you count the pack leads. We saw the pack led lower deckers as well. Mm. Oh, well, that's oh. true. That's true. <laughs> that's right. Hungry. But you to be fair, eat. we didn't have stories from the Borg and the pack led lower decks. Yeah, we did have a story have from the Borg. That's all they do. <laughs> they regenerate but it's in their not a story. It is a story. It's the only story that you can tell about their about their lower decks. You're just not assimilated, so you can't hear everything that's going on. <laughs> oh, God. You right make on. it zero or something like that. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I made a, I made a note. That would be a great screensaver because all, all you just heard some machinery humming, and, and that was it. That's true. And they held it for a long time. Hey, they hey. held that joke for a long time, and I laughed the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did anybody have any final thoughts about this episode before we move on? Amazing. It was good. Yeah. I'm spectacular. Yeah. Caught me off guard. They they keep topping themselves. I'm yeah. amazed. One yeah. more week. That's yeah. It. Wow. <laughs> I just can't imagine. Um, well, I can, but I, I can't imagine what they have, mm-hmm. you know, saved up for next week. It's going to be good. Well, well next week we're, we're planning to have our entire topic for the Lower Decks finale and then probably some you know season and review wrap up of what we thought over the course of the season and then maybe what we expect for season three uh, what we hope for um but then also october 27th we're going to do a live video yes uh, now i'll now be available on facebook and youtube or one of the other how does that work both okay so you yep. can find it on our facebook group or station trek or search for us on youtube we have a youtube channel as well that's right you could subscribe too that'd be great Yep. And the, <laughs> that's true. Please do. <laughs> uh, and it'll be interactive. We'll be able to do a, a full hour on a topic and have people join in. So if you're listening to the show and yelling at your radio, now is your chance. You know, you come, come yell at us live. <laughs> you, so you said a topic. Yeah. The topic is the Halloween episodes. Yes. I, I know that, but you didn't say what the topic is. Well, you said a yet. topic. Okay. I'm patient. <laughs> Jeez, Veronica, tell wow, me what the topic to, is. It's gonna be Halloween a moment. Halloweeny episodes. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be our, our Halloween special. That's right. So we definitely want folks to join in so they can comment and ask questions as we are doing this, and we'll uh, get to questions and comments as we uh, discuss, and we'll get to them as close to uh, live as possible. Yeah, and this yeah. is twenty days from now. So if well, twenty days from when we're recording this, slightly <laughs> fewer days for you at home, but. If, if you if you're thinking of a Halloween episode that we absolutely need to talk about, let us know on Facebook. Join our Facebook absolutely. group and, Good point. And, and let us know. My, my favorite um, original series episode is That's going true. to be one of them. Yep. And if you don't know what it is, you need to go back and watch one of our earlier episodes yeah, or listen to it because that one was just audio. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and if people wanted to contact us for any general reason, mm-hmm. whether it be Halloween episodes or any other thing that they would like to say, where can people find us? Earthstationtrek at gmail.com. Yeah, that's the one. Was that a question? Yep. Well, it was a setup. (laughs) Oh, for him, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. (laughs) All right, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Okay, well, I have a publishing company called CosmicPress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C Press.com. We're about to release our first novel by a a new author called Rebecca Mabry. Uh, The book is called The Mad King. I've got a book trailer that's going to be coming out. uh, Well, when this episode is heard by the audience, it will have come out this past Friday on our Facebook page and our website. Um, I've got some other stuff coming out. The book will be out really soon. And also, I have uh, sort of done a relaunch of my Sunday evening music show with a couple of uh, regular co-hosts, and it is now called Modern Musicology. So look for (laughs) us on YouTube. That's Awesome. awesome. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and on all the ESO network groups where I participate pretty decently. Okay. If you do say so yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think you do a great job of participating. I do too. I do too. I go in spurts sometimes. I'll go for days and not post. And all of a sudden, you'll probably know you get like 10 posts from me all at once. <laughs> my entire feed is Keith. <laughs> 
How about us, Veronica? Felt nerdy.com. Yep. Or if you want to see us live, uh, come to the Village Theater October the 23rd for the Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show. We'll be doing a routine for that. Uh, you can look them up. There's an event on Facebook or look up the Village Theater in Atlanta. Uh, I think it's $15 to get in. And I believe it starts at 10 o'clock, uh, 18 and up. It's an adult show and um, you can drink there. So yeah, it'd be great. What, fun. What was that name again? The Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show. Okay. The, the puck and puppet show is Atlanta's, okay, yeah. uh, is Atlanta's puppet <laughs> slam. It's been going for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well done. Yes. <laughs> you got that out, right? It's more fun to say when you've been drinking. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Do you know how many performers are in this? Oh, it can it can mm-hmm. vary. Like some people will show well, up and be like, hey, it, it's open. We mic. Got a so it, it, oh, yeah. OK, I got gotcha. It's basically gotcha. whoever wants to show up with the show. So there'll be a lot of regulars who are there. It was okay. the, I think the first place we performed puppetry live yeah. on stage mm-hmm. was just doing a little routine for the puppet and puck and puppet show. That <laughs> <laughs> almost got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice, so, nice. But also, if you're out there and you love puppeteering, come come do a show. It's fun. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And anything is a puppet. Anything. Yeah, that's true. This is going to turn into a tutorial soon. So why yeah. don't you give us an outro instead, Veronica? <laughs> Live long and prosper, sir. <laughs> very much married. Very much married yeah. because she did that. Yeah. And then she did a Vulcan flicking him off as she going out the door. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.